Hello, welcome to the sixth episode of Kush Talk. My name is Maryam Bagheri, and in this episode, I'm talking with Eliza Roberts, the executive director of Resortis, the worldwide network of arts residences. As you may know, Resaltis is a 26-year-old network of arts residency operators from around the globe. The network comprises more than 700 members in over 85 countries. They operate from two international offices in Amsterdam and Melbourne. Resaltis supports and connects residencies engage and advocate the importance of residencies in today's society and provides recommendations to our cultural mobility research and policy. Eliza Roberts was appointed as Executive Director of Resaltis in 2016, where her role is focused on fundraising, public profile, and strategy for the organization. Eliza served on the Resaltis Board of Directors from 2012 to 2016, including a two-year term as Vice President from 2014. For six years, Eliza worked as Arts Residency Manager at AsiaLink, Australia's most long-standing artist residency program in the region. Eliza has diverse experience in the arts industry, having worked at a range of local and international institutions and organizations including Christie's Auction House in London and the Ian Power Museum of Art and Art Bank. Eliza speaks intermediate-level Indonesian and holds an MA Art Curatorship and BA Creative Arts, both from the University of Melbourne. Thank you so much, Eliza, for accepting to be in the podcast. Thank you, Marian. To start my questions, I want to refer to Resortis' statement on this corner time on your website that is said, Arts residencies are literally life-changing experiences. When the COVID-19 pandemic is over, arts residencies will play a critical role in the reemergence of national and international exchange. Arts residencies are our future. In what way do you think arts residencies will affect our world after this pandemic? Yeah, well, um, you know, the field of arts residencies has been shaped by external factors in the past. Um, and as you know, Mariam is a, a past employee of Resartis. Um, in fact, only a, a year and a half ago, we had a conference in Kyoto that looked at this very thing. Uh, it, it was in partnership with the Kyoto Art Centre and looked at the history and evolution of the arts residencies field um, and examined what external factors have shaped arts residency models today. So things like climate change, humanitarian crises, even, you know, technology and AI. Um, And I think the COVID-19 pandemic is certainly no exception. Um, So I I think that there's no question that international arts residencies, as they stand, will be the same again. Uh, I think, you know, the fact that with all these travel bans and 
physical distancing measures, it will actually reshape the field. So I think in in the near future, we're going to see a rise. And in fact, we already have seen a, a rise in sort of local, um, national and regional exchange. Um, and also more residencies turning to digital means, both through virtual residencies, but also using, um, I guess, digital platforms to accompany their in-person or existing programming. So things like um, alumni connection, maybe even, you know, the creation of new artworks in some case, certainly archival aspects and documentation. Um, and we've we've also seen a big rise in studio or stay-at-home residencies. And because of this, I think actually the whole definition of arts residency might shift. Um, you can see the as the peak organisation for the arts residency field worldwide, Res Artis does see it in our remit, I guess, to, to try to provide a definition of what an arts residency is, which is actually more complex than it sounds because the field is so diverse. Um, and I think it's actually quite timely as we navigate through this difficult time um, that we look to, to reshape what that definition might include and expand our, our meaning of that. Um, I think in relation to the statement that you're talking about that I made um, about residencies playing a, a critical role in the re-emergence of um, national and international exchange, I really truly believe residencies play or, or can play a pivotal role in um, re-establishing international cooperation and, and also intercultural understanding. Um, I think for me personally, probably the thing that fascinates me about the field more than anything is the way that residencies intersect with so many different sectors, both within the arts and non-arts as well. Um, and I think through these, you know, individual, sometimes small group exchanges, um, they enable very sort of complex, um, rich, meaningful and sort of loyal um, ways of, of international engagement. So I think up until the pandemic, the world was heading towards this state of kind of mass globalisation um, and, you know, airfares were relatively affordable and accessible. Climate change was very much a real thing and, of course, the residencies field somewhat contributed to that. But all of this has been put on hold um, and I think once the borders do start to reopen, um, residencies are really going to paved the way for that cross-cultural dialogue and cooperation once again. You mentioned something about virtual or digital residencies. So I want to ask, since art residencies is all about new experiences in new places and becoming familiar with the new culture and people, which all seems impossible now, do you think these virtual experiences that you were talking about can be an alternative and replace the physical ones? No. In, in, in a very, as a very short answer, absolutely not. And I think I'd probably be in the wrong job if I thought they could. I think, um, you know, arts residencies are somewhat all about that in-person, on-the-ground exchange and nothing beats that. But I think given these extraordinary times to use an overused word um people are having to adapt and so they're having you know arts residency organizations are having to adapt their programming um artists are having to adapt their practice 
and and incorporate you know virtual or digital elements into that um i think you know from res artists standing as i said nothing can replace that in person exchange but certainly digital tools can can heighten that in person experience so there are some um very very worthy um examples and case studies of virtual residencies where they all take place online and we're actually in the process of piecing together those um as case studies and they'll be provided on our website um for our members and the public as well um but also using these tools um as i sort of mentioned in my response to the earlier question um to heighten their existing program around alumni networking and engagement um which you know in turn strengthens the experiences of individuals over time and and the output um that is created um also documentation and archiving i think it's something as a sector there's a few examples of very good archiving but on the whole we're not particularly good at it and often we don't have time for that so this is an opportunity to to do these things um but yeah certainly nothing can replace that that on the ground exchange um and i i do think that as the borders reopen as i said i think there will be a return to more local exchange but over time uh, that will open up and and residencies can play a critical role in that path forward what does resartist do to assist artists and art residency organizations in navigating this difficult time Well, I think I said before extraordinary or unprecedented was a, an overused word and I'm going to use it again because it's it's actually very apt but you know no one's ever navigated this gro- global health crisis before and it's really a learning curve for everyone. Um but I think as the peak organization for the field, Rosatis aims to represent the best interests of the entire sector, so arts residency organizations, um researchers, curators and you know, of course and almost most importantly artists in residence. Um and I think when the pandemic first hit our office was absolutely bombarded by inquiries so we were getting emails and phone calls from artists who were stranded uh, in their country of undertaking a residency um arts councils who were looking for guidance and you know an update from the field and also arts residency centers who were literally going under um So in response we set up a, a dedicated section on our website uh in relation to helping these stakeholders navigate their way through this you know very difficult time. Um and I think you know listeners to this podcast can have a look at that. Um so if they just go into the main homepage of the Resartis website resartis.org a, a pop-up will appear and direct them immediately to that section. Our difficulty has been in that we're a very global network so we represent over 85 different countries through our membership that is and even more so um through the the 4 million uh, roughly visitors and artists we get to our website each year so it's really really hard for us to provide you know tailored advice to people or advice that is specific to um individual cases and 
applies to every country and region. And of course, the difficulty is that on one side, we have, you know, an artist from one country under a certain set of laws, and then an arts residency from another country operating under completely different circumstances. So we have had to deal with a lot of inquiries about that, particularly around artists' contracts. Um, If artists had paid a fee to undertake a residency, for example, and that had to be cancelled due to COVID, um, what happens? What happens to the return of, of those funds to the artist from the arts residency um, who may or may not you know have the finances to actually do so. So we've been navigating all of that and um, we do have a lot of helpful resources on our website around that now and really the idea with our dedicated COVID section on the website was to provide tools to help people um, into the foreseeable future and uh, potentially even that could be incorporated into their practice in an ongoing way to ensure sustainability. So on our website we've got things like um, there's a couple of statements written by me um, which are around best practice approaches and really are um, aimed at responding to some of the inquiries we've received. Um, We've also got a long list of external resources through um, our various international partners um, and we constantly update that. Um, There's a frequently asked questions page on that website um, and that really looks at both an artist perspective and arts residency perspective. Um, We've got tools for remote working and um, also Creative Victoria, a funding council where I'm based here in Australia, um, have generously supported a suite of digital learning. So we're doing things like um, podcasts, webinars, interviews and, and case studies of you know virtual stay-at-home studio residencies. Um, and there's a couple of other things we're working on. We're currently working on a series of thematic um, webinars and and panel sessions and that's in partnership with IASPIS in Sweden um, and that will be launched in September and hopefully you have seen and completed Mariam the Res Artists survey that was sent out. So that's a um, collaboration between Res Artists and UCL in the UK. So, uh, so far we've sent out the first survey. The aim is to send out three surveys that examine the immediate medium term and long term impact of COVID-19 on, on the arts residencies field. Um, and we're just working with UCL at the moment on releasing a report on that first survey, um, on the first survey findings, and that should be released in September as well. You know, the current economy climate is making it difficult for nonprofits to raise funds, and unfortunately, many organizations will not survive. How do you think an organization can survive in a time of crisis, why not sacrificing its mission? Yeah, I think that's a it's a very difficult question. Um, I just mentioned the the survey that we're conducting, and I can tell you that the majority of respondents from uh, we asked for responses from both artists and arts residency organisations, um, and the res- the majority of the organisational respondents were not for profits. Um, and nearly 10% of those have already been forced to close indefinitely. And, you know, 60% at least have had to postpone all their programming. So, you know, as sad as this is, it's really concrete data um, that reflects the, the reality of the field. 
and only about 20% of those organisations, it's worth mentioning, have been able to secure funding from their local councils um, or whoever it might be, philanthropists in their region. I think it's a really interesting question because it's it's so important that organisations don't sacrifice their mission. But I think at the same time, these dramatic times we're living in call for dramatic measures. So, you know, not only arts residency organisations, but artists and I think every single business in the world is needing to adapt in order to survive. I think, as I mentioned earlier, you know, it means introducing visual and, sorry, virtual and, and digital elements um, and not just as a kind of st- stand-in, but sort of, I think in a meaningful way that per- perhaps can be incorporated um, into a sustainable business model moving forward. Unfortunately for most organisations, it means, you know, including reduction measures and I think, Mariam, you know that only too well. Um, you know, Res Artists is not immune to being um, impacted by COVID-19. Um, we're having to put into place our own reduction measures. And unfortunately, one of those was um, the Manasseh Cluster office in Iran, um, where you were staffed as our uh, Manasseh Cluster coordinator. So, you know, um, all of these measures are coming into play. It sort of means stripping everything right back you know trying to strengthen the core and and the mission of what you do but adapting that uh to get through this time and then slowly rebuilding um i think some organizations might even need to think more laterally think about some creative solutions like uh partnering or even merging with like-minded organizations or partners um perhaps looking at different funding streams that haven't been investigated previously and i but i do ultimately believe it's possible for organisations to continue and maintain their mission um, despite that mission perhaps being delivered in a, a different way. As an executive director of Resortis, how are you going to manage through this time of confusion? And in general, what does a good leader in non-for-profits do in situations like this? Uh, well, <laughs> I won't. I won't lie to you, Mariam. It's been um, an incredibly stressful year, um, and as I sort of hinted at earlier, you know, although Resartis is this large-scale global network, we're also essentially a very small not-for-profit organization. Um, as you know, we're run by an incredibly lean team of part-time staff and a volunteer board of directors. And nearly all of our operations are funded through, um, you know, COVID has absolutely ripped through the sector and already some organisations have sadly gone under and, you know, as a result, we've lost a significant portion of our membership. I think more importantly, like everyone, I've been watching in horror, really, um, at the news as so many people's lives have been affected by death and, and destruction Um, And of course, my heart goes out to anyone who's listening, who's lost a loved one through this pandemic. Um, I think it really takes its toll. But for me, it's it's really important to maintain perspective um, and also to ensure a tiny bit of distance. I've had times in my role as executive director and in previous roles where you become so absolutely immersed and saturated in what you're doing, what you're doing, you almost lose sight of of the vision and and the future 
forward. So I think despite working around the clock and trying to help and and save the sector as much as possible, I do have to keep reminding myself to be realistic and I guess to be kind to myself and to remember that there's a global pandemic happening. Um, It's sweeping the world and some things are just out of our control. So I think it's really a, a combination of optimism and realism um, and I think that's a very important skill set you know that it's a bit like the, the micro and the macro as well um, for leaders to you know to have to give their organizations and their stakeholders and their, their uh, team members as well their staff the motivation we need to get through this really difficult time. I know that many governments are putting in place emergency funding packages for small businesses and for non-for-profits, which impacted by COVID-19. But as you know, this is not the case for many countries like Iran, where even in a normal time, they have no art support from their government. Do you have any suggestions for them? Mm, yeah, it's a it's a really um, hard one. Once again, you're coming out with some good questions, Mariam. Um, and a, I do want to try and offer some information to um, artists and arts residencies in these regions that have no government incentives. Um, as you say, there's a lot of arts councils, but also just local business uh, councils and and governments who are providing COVID-19 incentives and it's not the case all over the world and I think it you know there there might be other avenues of funding that could be accessed through uh, philanthropy or other means Um, but I think that the main thing I can think of is people look both internally in terms of what they're doing um, and maybe it's an opportunity to sort of restructure some of their business models and adapt in a different way, maybe maybe incorporating these virtual means. And I, I think in doing so, that can open up new opportunities. So if it's um, digital or virtual, for example, perhaps they could approach a... Um, a corporate sponsor um, or, you know, just these new ways of, of thinking. I know all of that takes in, you know, a lot of time and effort, so it's not a, a magic answer by any means. But the the other way of thinking is perhaps to look externally. So maybe um, even through the Res Artists Network, perhaps seeking partnership opportunities. So as a sector, as a whole, we can, you know, work to rebuild and encourage exchange to continue during this difficult time, but in a different way. So if there's countries and regions and organisations who are able to access funding easily, um, perhaps they could be approached or perhaps they could actively approach uh, themselves, organisations who are in regions who don't have those incentives and work to do some collaborative activities, whatever that might be, whether it's working towards, you know, a long-term exchange partnership, it could be some digital learning, online conferences, things like this, um, even incorporating, you know, creative output by artists. I think that could be a nice approach from the sector. Thank you so much, Eliza, for sharing all this useful information with us. I know you have a rough time in Resortis and you must be very busy and I don't want to take your time more. So if you have anything else to add, please. 
um just to just to try and stay positive it's um it's a very difficult time right now um i think people are dealing with things both personally and professionally you know people are juggling different things but everyone's juggling something um so to to reach out not to sort of isolate themselves we we already have to do that um at the moment anyway but there's a lot of ways people can be engaging virtually so get in touch with other residencies with other artists with resartists see what we can do as a collective whole i meant what i said in my statement i do believe residencies are our future i think they can really um play such a pivotal role in the path forward in terms of rebuilding those international relations and intercultural understanding um that dialogue of cooperation between different regions so we just have to get through this difficult time together and that obviously involves a lot of changes um to the sector but yeah resartus will will be there to assist and yeah these are these are my words of wisdom for now but thank you so much Mariam for conducting this interview i hope it was useful for your listeners um and as i said there's a lot more information on the resartus website as well that both artists and arts residency organizations in particular can refer to stay safe everyone Thank you so much for listening to the sixth episode of Kush Talk. If you'd like to get in touch with us about anything you hear on the show or interested to know more about our programs, you can email us at info at signkushresidency.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram or subscribe to our mailing list to stay in the loop.